We're on location with Ask the Masters' Dave Penton as he sits down with ICC's Susan Dowdy and Lee Clifton to discuss what the model code looks like from the International Code Council. If you're an audiophyte, hold on. The audio is not the best on this one, but there's a lot of great information. This episode of Ask the Masters is brought to you by Watershape University and the Western Pool and Spa Show. Watershape University will be presenting their cost estimating class the only time scheduled so far this year. You do not want to miss the opportunity to learn how to be more profitable as you estimate your jobs and walk away from this seminar with a piece of software that is priceless. All right, welcome to the Ask the Masters podcast. We have a real special time today. So we have Susan and Lee from ICC. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm a bit of a code junkie, and I know a lot of you think that's a little weird. Um, and I'll admit, it's a little weird. Uh, but we're talking codes today, and uh, specifically within California. But as we all know, um, what happens in California eventually migrates to the rest of the world, uh, at least the rest of the states. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about California, but really we're talking model codes. Uh, and, and the difference between a state code and a model code is that a model code is, is kind of what we should all um, kind of strive for within the industry. So that's really kind of the direction we're going to go today. But uh, let, me, let me have our guests introduce themselves and, and we'll get going. Okay, great. My name is Susan Dowdy and I am the International Code Council's Government Relations Manager for Southern California. And uh, I've been there for four years. I really enjoy it. I get to work with uh, building departments um, and building officials and the co-development process and uh, enjoy it quite a bit. Great. Uh, hi, I'm Lee Clifton. I'm the Senior Director for uh, International Code Council for Plumbing, Mechanical, Fuel, Gas, and Swimming Pool Resources. And uh, I'm also out of Brea, California. And uh, my job is to support Susan and other government relations regional uh, managers uh, throughout the United States and uh, the world. So let me just start really 30,000 square foot. Um, so um, states have their own codes uh, and then local cities have their own codes as well. Could you kind of um, figure out, can you explain what the difference between a model code, a an implemented code, ICC, CBC, you know, there's all these monikers and, and um, you know, I get it, but even sometimes I get a little confused and I love this stuff. So can you kind of uh, dispel some of the rumors and kind of clarify some of that? Okay, I guess I can start yeah. on this one. Uh, a model code, a model code would be uh, uh, a code that's discussed on a, in a national forum that reflects the, the views and the thoughts of a national forum. Uh, we have state codes, which, state codes, excuse me, that are focused, uh, you know, on state-specific issues, a lot of them. And a lot of the states adopt model codes with their amendments, uh, which, uh, which is the most, uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Common way to do it. Yeah, common way to, to do it, sorry about that. Maybe the best way. The best, and, and yes. Uh, because you can address a local, uh, your topographical, geological, and climatical issues of the, your region. And I think that's important that you do that. The other thing that we have to deal with is the um, uh, state legislation that's already in existence um, when there has not been a model code adopted. Uh, and now we're trying to get a code like the swimple code that we're uh, currently uh, trying to get uh, 
people to use uh, nationally and then also here in California. So there's some of the issues that we're concerned about is state legislation and, and making that work. Yeah, it would seem to be a great idea, um, especially in smaller states. You know, in California, we build more pools than I think any other state. You know, you got Florida, you got California, you got these hot spots of pool construction, um, but someplace like Montana, um, where maybe it doesn't. I don't know. You tell me. I, I would assume that. In a, in a state where there's not a lot of pool built, pools built, um, a, a code like you guys have would be an easy implementation for them rather than having the state kind of go through and decide everything that needs to be done. What, well, one of the issues, uh, and you're right, you're right about, uh, about that. The state of Montana, excuse me, the state of Montana does uh, adopt the International Swimming Pool Spa Code, by the way. So they're really a very progressive state. Uh, there's others that uh, adopt portions of it, and uh, but uh, uh, California again uh, seems to be the leader in uh, in code regulations, as you might say, and uh, the, the tendency is to uh, uh, overregulate in some areas. Sure. So uh, uh, we we have to deal with that too, because you know here comes more codes. It's going to cost us money and. Uh, the building official, you may not have time to do the inspections that he feels that needs to be done to adequately support those codes. So those are all issues that one has to consider when adopting a code or, or additional ordinance or, or certain measures. So what is ICC? And then I want to get specifically into the actual pool and spa code that you guys have. So explain to me what ICC is because uh, I made the mistake earlier in talking to you and in, in, in terming it the ICC code, and it's actually not. So can you clarify that a little bit, please? Yeah, sure. I'll take this okay. one. Um, so ICC is for International Code Council, and we are a membership-driven nonprofit organization uh, with over 64,000 members. And we have a number of um, companies that make a family of solutions for the built environment. I like that, solutions. Family that's, that's solutions. A, it sounds, uh, it's easier to palette than codes, isn't it? Yes, uh, yes. Um, and, you know, we do so many things, and I think it's gonna be hard to explain mm -hmm. all of those uh, in this limited amount of time, but we do have a very prolific website, iccsafe.org, that explains our family of solutions. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to say that um, we do publish 15 codes, okay. and it is quite an undertaking to update those codes every three years. Mm -hmm. So you have one opportunity to submit code changes, and then they're heard by committees, and the committees make recommendations, and then uh, you have an opportunity to uh, disagree with those committee recommendations, go to hearings, and finally our governmental members get to uh, do the final vote. Okay. So it's a very democratic process um, and um, a lot of input goes into developing these model codes. So is that along the lines of uh -huh. the question you had? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so you've got 15, right. um, one of which is completely specific to the pool industry. Uh, and so obviously for, for this podcast, that's really what we're kind of most going to focus on. Um, so can you tell me the actual name of that code and, and kind of what you guys cover in there? Safety, you know, electrical issues, structural issues, you know, what do you cover and what don't you cover? Uh, and just explain a little bit about the specific code. 
Okay, well, let's start with the most popular, our, our International Building Code, which is adopted in, in all 50 states. Uh, and um, we have our International Residential Code, we have our, our International Plumbing Code, our International Mechanical Code, our International Fuel Gas Code, which all address those specifics, uh, uh, trades and installations of, that, of those uh, of those types of systems, whether it be fuel gas or mechanical or so on and so forth. And along with that is our International Swimming Pool Code, which is what we're here to talk about today. And the other important thing to, uh, to note is that, uh, and our selling point, is that because our codes are all uh, developed under the same umbrella uh, and the same types of building officials and industry experts that are all involved in, in different aspects of the different codes. Uh, correlation is a huge uh, undertaking, mm -hmm. and it's very important for ICC that these codes be correlated. And the fact that it actually saves the public, building owners, and uh, you know designers, contractors, uh, a lot of money because they're not having codes, uh, one code saying one thing and the other code saying another. As you know, as a as a contractor is one of the Exactly, going out and trying to figure out, okay, which one am I supposed to follow? And is this city following this one? Is this city following this one? Yeah, it, it, it can be cumbersome, especially on some of the real specialty type items. Right, and uh, and there's, there's other codes too, but that, that's pretty much your, your basic ones. I think I, I mentioned that we have property maintenance, we have a green construction code, which is, uh, we're partnering with uh, ASHRAE on. Mm. And, uh, so we, we have a lot of codes. And, and the other thing important to note is that it's not ICC that is uh, sitting in the back room making up a code requirements. Uh, what we do is we facilitate the code development process. Okay. So we offer that forum to have the national debates and to share information from all parts of the country and the world that uh, end up in our model codes. Wonderful. So let's talk a bit about the your, your, the swimming pool code. Um, what do you guys, what's in it? Um, what's included? What was kind of the, why did you come up with that one? Because uh, swimming pool is a pretty small niche. Um, why did you guys decide to tackle that little niche market uh, that we find ourselves in? And, and what do you feel like the benefits of your code is? Well, I think we decided to get into that, end, into that market uh, basically because of the, of the need uh, of pool safety. And especially here in California, as you can see, Florida, Texas, uh, we got thousands and thousands of swimming pools installed, and uh, and industry was was asking us to get involved, which is kind of unusual. Uh, you know, a lot of times industry said, "Hey, you know, yeah, we don't away. we don't need any more regulations," you know, and uh, but here we had actually industry coming to us say, "Hey, we need a level playing field. Can you help us?" And so uh, I think it was back in uh, around two thousand and eight. Uh, Association of Pools, Spa Professionals, and the International Code Council. Uh, we signed our first MOU together to work together to try to uh, formulate uh, and develop a, uh, a swimming pool code that could, that could help the nation and bring consistency. And uh, that's kind of where we started. And uh, in 2012, uh, our first uh, swimming pool code was developed with the help of our partner, uh, APSP, who is now uh, PHTA. Right. Not pulling hot tub alliance. Correct. Yep. So, how does the pool and spa code differ, uh, supplement, um, 
uh, say the ANC APSB seven uh, along those lines. Well, all, of course, all those standards uh, we address in our code. Okay. The APSB uh, seven standard uh, based on the Virginia Graham Baker Act, right for um, uh, drain entrapment, such mm -hmm. entrapment, excuse me, and. Uh, so uh, along with that, uh, our barrier requirements for fencing, uh, gates, uh, latches, uh, all those are covered uh, in our code. Uh, our, our steps, our ladders, uh, anything and everything that uh, allows you to get in and out of the pool uh, from uh, handicap lifts that, you know, that, that uh, help get the elderly people in and out of the pools, all these types of items that people don't even stop and even think about. Sure. Uh, uniform definitions that people can uh, understand and uh, in, in one part of the country, you know, it means the same things it does in another part of the country. So that uniformity is very important uh, to the industry and to the manufacturers of these products that are trying to produce these safe products for the pool industry. And I think it just helps everybody and it lowers the cost. And, and, the, and, the, and the best benefit is, is that it provides the needed safety, you know, for that aquatic environment, yeah. whether it be an aquatic park at Disneyland or, or at a, a backyard pool here in Anaheim, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's the big thing. Um, you know, the, the word safety has come up uh, in a couple of different ways here. Uh, and so really want to talk a little bit about safety and, and a whole lot more. Um, I, I'm, it's one of the passions I have. Um, you know, I'm a father of six, and so pools are, they can be dangerous, um, but so can a bathtub, um, you know, and so can a, an automobile. Uh, and so dispelling some of those myths about that pools have to be dangerous, um, I, I really am, am working hard to change some of the language around that, um, but the the reality is is that these codes are set up for the general public uh, for the most part. Um, you know, they they're set up. I have to follow them as a contractor building the pool, but they're set up around consumer safety uh, and and to make sure that what is written and and that is going to provide a safe environment for my four year old uh, who's just learning how to swim, uh, slip coefficients and and. Uh, diving board safety, you know, envelopes and things like that. So um, I really like that. And, and I want to get into kind of where we're meeting at today and kind of what we talked about a little bit here today. But uh, can you dive a little bit more into some of the safety aspects specific to the code that you guys cover with it? Well, one thing I would like to say uh, before we get too far ahead is that nothing in any of these model, uh, model codes for swimming pool, our, our code for uh, for swimming pools, uh, takes the place of adult supervision. No, absolutely. And, I think, thank thank you for saying that. And yes. I think that's something we, we really need to realize. No matter what kind of regulations requirements we have, uh, it's uh, it's up to you know the adults to make sure that the children that they're responsible for are being supervised, and that's of utmost of the utmost importance. And uh, as far as uh, specific guidelines, I don't, I don't really want to get into the inches and feet that something has to be away no, from a wall sure. or anything like that. But I, I think uh, suction entrapment is a huge issue, and it's been well addressed, uh, you know, uh, at the federal level. And we have federal guidelines on that, obviously, in the Virginia Grand Baker Act. And of course, uh, you know, what they've done here in California with the barrier requirements, I think is, 
it's, it's they're great strides ahead of everybody uh, with the minimum of two of the barrier requirements being mandated. And uh, I think that's something that, that should, surely should be looked at at a national, uh, a national level to see what we can do in, in, all, in, in all the states and using a model code. Yeah, so, I want to get on my soapbox a little bit there um, because I'm involved a little bit with uh, NDPA, the National Drowning Prevention Alliance. And uh, I learned a statistic this year that's actually very sobering and, and gives me hope at the same time. Um, uh, I learned that the drowning statistics across the nation are fairly flat and have been for two decades. We're really not making significant inroads across the nation on drowning prevention, except in California. And California has tough, some of the toughest barrier codes in the nation. And in California, it's the one place in the nation that, that the drowning is actually reducing. And, you know, I see within the industry and within my industry so much of a pushback on fencing regulations and alarms and things like that. And don't get me wrong, there are definitely some real challenges with the way the laws are written and that. Um, but I, I feel like so many contracts are sort of the baby out with the bathwater. There are definitely good things that should be implemented. I, I agree. I'd love to see a uniform, a, a national barrier code and, and things like that that are definitely enforceable um, because something needs to be done. We're not making inroads uh, as well as we should be. And we'll, we'll have an opportunity to submit a code change come January 2021 to um, incorporate the barrier provisions that are found in the California Pool Safety Law uh, that are reproduced in Appendix B of the 2019 California Residential Code. Uh, that would, like Lee was saying, we don't write the code, but that would need to come from someone from the outside who would submit the proposal. And it's a process that has been going on for um, many code editions. Uh, the International Swimming Pool and Spa Code is relatively new compared to our other codes. The international codes date back to 2000. Um, but uh, yeah, it's to seize the opportunity when it's available, which will be January 2021. Sure. Uh, and so um, explain a little bit more. So uh, barrier is, is a part of the code or it's a part of the broader code and not the pool and spa code? Um, well, it's, it's an instance where the International Swimming Pool and Spa Code is different from the California um, Pool Safety Act. Okay. So the California <coughs> Pool Safety Act requires a barrier that's five feet in height, whereas the International Swimming Pool and Spa Code requires a barrier that's four feet in height. That's correct. Okay. So the, there, there are small differences here and there uh, in debate on a national level. They don't seem quite as a big issue as when you get state specific. Sure. And, and you got your, you know, your, your boundaries were uh, and pride involved and, and things like that, which is, which is good. And everybody has a reason for what they do. But when you're trying to, to uh, develop something on a national level, a lot of times you get some differences. Yeah, you know, to be uh, accepted. But other than that, I mean, they're both doing the same things. Uh, you know, whether one requires uh, two of the seven barrier requirements or one, you know, uh, they're all requiring the very similar type requirements. And uh, so there's not a whole lot of really huge differences there sure um, and that and that's the case throughout the nation you know um, where they're making local amendments so it's it's not an issue in California we we haven't had an issue here really 
It's just the amount of uh, state legislation that's already existed here mm -hmm. and, and, and making that uh, work with, a, with any model code that's being uh, uh, considered. So uh, we've talked about drains, um, uh, drain safety. Uh, we've talked about barriers. Um, some of the other things that are included in the code. Um, I know you and I were speaking earlier about the diving envelopes and things like that. Um, what are some of the other elements that you guys have as part of the code uh, and as part of, uh, and, and, and why would we implement those? Um, why are we looking to implement them nationwide? Well, you, you, you hit upon the diving envelope, which is huge, and I guess the biggest is, uh, uh, solution is, you know, don't have a diving board. But, uh, but you know, a lot of people like diving boards. And, and Tell that to the client. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, that, that, that's a huge issue. Uh, as far as your, you know, your, uh, uh, your non-skid uh, requirements uh, for, for slip and fall, those are huge issues, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, in, in all the pools your ladder, your steps, your dimensions between them, so they're, they're consistent, uh, you know, throughout the, uh, the nation and, and, uh, and internationally, and also as a level playing field for the manufacturers, so they don't have to develop something different for each state. Sure. And that's, you know, those, those are huge. So just the design. Uh, and the slope of the pool. The slopes of the pool, uh, you know, the, the, that is uh, something to consider, uh, obviously. I can get you in a, in a drowning situation real quick with a young person, uh, you know, all of a sudden steps into a deep end of the pool. So all of those are major considerations. Uh, you know, the temperature of the water in a spa, you know, uh, there's, there's a, a, a ton of regulations that, that you could, you know, talk about uh, cross connections from a pool fill valve, you know, the, the air gap that's required so you don't contaminate the potable water. Yeah, we just had a big discussion on our Facebook page uh, about a contractor that tied the overflow of the pool into a sewer line um, without an air gap, and the sewer line for the pool backed up, and it ended up backing raw sewage into the swimming pool, residential, and you know it it, it kind of brought to reality why that is an actual part of the code. Uh, you know, we had a tangible discussion about it um, within all of the group and, and, you know, sometimes we don't think about the codes and sometimes, you know, I, I'll admit I'm a builder, sometimes it's like, oh, that's really a nuisance to have to do it that way. Um, but these codes are not developed in a vacuum and it's not 12 people employed by ICC sitting up there and writing codes that aren't in the field. I mean, these codes get developed with input from the industry and from experts and everything. And just because I don't understand the tenants behind a code doesn't mean that it should be written off as worthless. Absolutely. And a lot, a lot of thought goes into that. Matter of fact, ICC insists that, you know, that there's um, a financial, not a financial, but a, um, a cost impact. Thank you. A cost impact, uh, you know, done on, on anything that's submitted. In other words, we have to have some kind of information uh, that, that talks about the cost impact of that code. And then uh, uh, and also some background on the proposal. Why are you asking for what you're asking for? And it gives, it gives the people that are considering that some information to decide, is it, what, is it worth is it worth this? Uh, what is the value in it? Uh, and there's a lot of good regulations. I know Susan can, all, can elaborate on, you know, when we talked about the building code and, and earthquakes. 
you know, if we build a building earthquake proof, it would be so cost prohibitive that you sure. know, it, it, it's just impossible. So I know that, that that doesn't sound good to a lot of people with tools, you know, so, you know, where do you stop with safety? Well, everything's important, right? But uh, all that kind of has to go into, into the discussion. And then somewhere at the end of that, so, you know, uh, they all decide, well, what's acceptable? <coughs> you know, what can, what can we live with that we feel is an acceptable means to address safety? And uh, it's not easy. And you have a few minutes to make your case. Mm -hmm. And ICC moves you along through that process. And you better be ready to debate. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it, it's, if anyone has not attended an ICC hearing, it's an education uh, to just see a democratic process, uh, you know, really take place. It's just unbelievable. And I've, I've never seen anything like that. And when I came to work for ICC, I had never even been to one. Mm. And all of a sudden, I was in the middle of it, you know. And uh, it was just unbelievable just to see the process. And you go, wow, you know, it makes you, make you proud to be involved. Sure. Absolutely. And I was just going to add that we record all of the testimony at the code hearings. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we have a free um, online streaming service. Okay. So you can go to the ISPSC uh, portion of the hearings and you can see the code changes presented to the committees as well as the public comment hearings. Okay. Yeah, that's great because then you get a more broad understanding of why I've never seen a situation like this, but it's in the code and it drives me nuts. So you can actually see the commentary behind it and, exactly. and it may open your eyes to, oh, okay, you know, the one in 5,000 chance that this could happen. Well, yeah, but that could kill somebody, you know, to, to understand that. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm weird. I'm code junkie uh, and I love to learn and learn the thought process behind things. Um, so Susan, specifically to you, I want to ask you, um, what do we do as an industry, um, as builders? How can we, uh, codes and builders have this kind of love-hate. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what would you ask from us as an industry and, and how can we help you and, and what should we do? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, Having this podcast is, is, is a great idea right there because we're starting to exchange information. And of course, we would love it if you became members of the organization. When you become a member of the organization, you uh, become informed on what all we're doing, what's all available, you get a number of discounts. You also get a free service where you can call on the phone and ask any question on the code. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so you can, That's get, invaluable you right can there. get code opinions on the phone and, or you can also go through the little bit more lengthy um, written process where you can get an interpretation and writing from the committee. Okay. So there's just a lot of doors that are opened with membership. And uh, we're always looking for your input. As government relations manager, I would like to connect with as many people that are code users as possible. Um, one of the things I say in my job is I connect the dots. So if you're having an issue with the building department or you're having an issue with understanding the code, or if you're looking for training for all of your crew, whatever it is, ICC has that family of solutions okay. that can help you out. And uh, that's what the code development process is for, to capture any issues you're having in the field or any safety issues you don't think that are addressed in the code, need to be addressed in the code. It's absolutely free. I keep using that word. Absolutely free to submit a code change. So we encourage you to take up that opportunity if you see that there's a hole or something that needs to be improved. And I think as Lee said, the code development process is so educational uh, you just learn so much by going through it. It can be a little bit intimidating, 
but um, the learning is well worth it. Can we get a code that parents can't be on their cell phone when the kids are in the pool? Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. Back to your point. Gosh. That's, so, yeah, that's, I don't know. Hey, go ahead and I, submit I, I might change. submit that one. Absolutely. So, and one, not sure how we enforce it, but. Yeah. One last thing I wanted to say is that, um, is that all of our codes are posted online for free viewing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you can just go to our uh, website and uh, go to that uh, online digital library and view all of our codes as standard. So the code is the IPSC. SPC. Yes. And that stands for? International Swimming Pool, Swimming Pool and Spa Code. That's correct. Okay, and and that's typically pushing residential, commercial, or is it universal? Both. Both. Okay. Commercial, yeah, commercial and residential pools, and that's and that's the nice thing about our code. It, it addresses the whole aquatic environment for public and, and residential pools. So, how do we partner together to get this word out to the industry? Uh, and, and, and even beyond the industry, but even to, you know, just more broadly to the end consumer, because I, I would love to see that too, if the end consumer is demanding that of pool contractors. And so uh, you tell me, I mean, I, it's, it's generally, it's, it's an open-ended question I don't know the answer to. I think we're doing it. I think we started doing it, uh, you know, seven years ago, uh, you know, when we, we signed that MOU with uh, APSP, now known as PHTA. Uh, I think that's where it started. I, I think with the National Drowning Prevention Alliance and other groups just like them uh, that have a stake in the game, that understand the, the need for pool safety and that it's just not one particular item. Uh, you know, standard building code requirements uh, of how to build one. Uh, it, it all it, it blends together, you know, uh, and, and I believe that uh, uh, by getting, the, like today, we had a meeting of coalition supporters, people that we thought that would be interested in pool safety and wanting a uniform code nationally and in California. Just getting them at the table and talking about it and going back to their the people that they represent and they work with on a daily basis. And a lot of these people came, they were from the general public you know, that were here today. Uh, some of them lost their life, you know, had children, excuse me, that lost their lives mm -hmm. uh, in, in pool accidents. So bringing them to the table and, uh, and, and having an open discussion on, you know, how, how do we get this done? You know, how do, how do we uh, achieve the results that we're trying to achieve? And I think it, it started today again. Uh, and uh, just to continue to spread that information through outlets like yourself and others and getting it out there to the public so that they, they understand what we're trying to do. Yeah, uh, let's let's talk a little bit because uh, you know I know the history of this meeting a little bit and, and what we're trying to do here. So uh, is this a fairly safe summary of what happened here? Uh, we're trying to get to the building officials and trying to get to the government people in charge of enforcement of swimming pools and encourage them to pay attention a little bit more, uh, specifically. Uh, drain compliance and things like that that are maybe not as well versed in a remodel environment as opposed to new construction uh, getting building officials to understand the dangers and, and really uh, maybe require permitting at all phases of pool construction not just major remodel major reconstruction or new construction uh, that's a big part of our campaign is getting that information out to uh to the building officials, uh, the people that, uh, and most of those are members of our organization, a lot of them are, not all of them, but uh, getting that information out to them 
and allow them to know the opportunities here to adopt a safe swim pool code in, in California. You have to approach your state differently because sure. of the laws that are here and how, how codes are adopted even within those states. So in California, we're, uh, you know, we're choosing to try to educate our own membership and allow them to know there's an opportunity here to improve pool safety. That's what we're doing. Yeah, uh, can you guys speak to um, some of the other states? I, I believe, isn't Texas about to implement the code? And um... Yes, Texas, as a matter of fact, uh, they have been adopting it for quite some time, but they just recently uh, uh, re required that, that, that it's a state code there. Okay. And uh, so that's a, a huge success for us in, in Texas and uh, in other states. It's adopted in Massachusetts, it's adopted in Georgia, uh, Montana, like I was saying, uh, Nevada. Uh, uh, currently, we're, we're hoping to get it adopted in Hawaii. We're working very hard in Hawaii. Wow. And we have a, a big uh, coalition of support in Hawaii. And so we're looking forward to that. And many other states that, uh, that are uh, coming blank right now to me. <laughs> but I apologize. I hit a blank. And we do post that on the website. So where are... Where do you need us as an industry? Where are the hot buttons? Where are, obviously here in California, I mean, we had this meeting here in California, uh, and so there's uh, getting the industry behind it. Um, where do you feel like you have the, the best inroads right now and you need a momentum push from the industry? What, what, do you have any states where you're, you know, you're almost there and you just need a little bit of an extra push to get over the edge? Well, California, uh, you know, California is a, is a, is a huge market uh, uh, for pool safety. And uh, so right now that's what Susan and I were concentrating on. That's why we had this, this meeting here today was to, to uh, develop that support in California and, sh and show the, the public and the industry the need for it and, and, and hope that uh, we can, you know, we can move it. Yeah, yeah, one of the things I wanted to mention is that we have about 27 chapters in California. Oh, wow. Yeah, of building officials. So our biggest one is the LA Basin chapter. Um, but we have an Orange Empire chapter right here in Orange County. And uh, anyhow, as you go up and down the state, we have chapters. We also have a state chapter, the California Building Officials. So, and the County Building Officials Association of California. So all of those uh, chapters are a great resource to connect with code officials very easily. Okay. They meet once a month typically, except the state organizations that meet once a year. And we just have a new chapter that is meeting for the first time next week, and that is the Code Enforcement Officers. Oh, wow. Yeah, of Orange County. Okay. So we were hearing stories today during the coalition meeting um, where we're hearing that uh, permits are not being obtained by yeah. uh, licensed contractors as well as unlicensed contractors. Sure. And so the code enforcement community could definitely be uh, someone to partner with for uh, the pool builders uh, in order to gain more compliance with these important regulations. Yeah, and I'm going to climb back up on my soapbox here. Um, it, we, we as an industry, for many years, we've had this kind of push and pull and leave me alone. Uh, and then we complain about unlicensed contractors. And uh, it's, you kind of can't have it both ways. So as an industry, um, I feel like this is a great way for inroads within ourselves to be able to sort of self-police ourselves. Um, 
it's it's best for the consumer uh, because the consumer you're creating a vessel that is more safe for the end user uh, and ultimately none of us want a tragedy in a pool that we built uh, but the ability to get behind something like this and go to some of the meetings and go to some of the code enforcement meetings um, yeah it means you may need to change a little bit of some of the things that you do in your company but really you should be thinking about doing that anyway um, but it's also an inroad into uh, creating this as the legitimate way that legitimate builders built and you know i know many good quality builders that will move around the code in, in certain instances, uh, remodel and things like that. And, uh, you know, we just need to move away from that. We need to not have that as what can we get away with as an industry. It's not that much more difficult. Sometimes there you get real difficult situations, but if you think about the broader picture of overall consumer safety, um, you know, I think that's, that's paramount to everything. Uh, but then also, Everybody complains about, um, you know, the, the drive to the bottom in pricing and things like that. If we as an industry really embrace all of this and we embrace everything and we professionalize the industry, we're going to push out the unlicensed contractors and we're going to put so much pressure on the black market that the consumers are not going to allow that. And the consumers are going to demand that only licensed people work on their projects. You're always going to have the black market. You're always going to have the fringe. But as an industry, I think we can fight that by really getting behind some of these kind of initiatives. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. Um, so as we wrap up here, uh, kind of the last question, and you, you sort of just started to allude to it, um, how do we get involved? You, you gave us the idea, but is it just going to these meetings and starting to plug in? Do we need to be a member? Do we, do we just start to show up to these meetings? What would it look like for me as a contractor to get involved with you and help give you the momentum to get this through in California and, and wherever there else, else the fight may be taken in the country? I, I think start with your local building department and ask the question, the hard question. Why, why haven't you adopted the International Swimming Pool Spa Code here? Hmm. And go from there. Sure, sure. And then, and then getting involved in the meetings as well? Yeah, I think yes. that, you know, our, our website has just got so much information on it. And I, like I mentioned, I'm assigned to Southern California. But we have uh, government relation managers assigned to all the states. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you can go on our website, find out who your government relation manager is, connect with them. Also, we're very active on social media. So if you go to the ICC website, lower right-hand corner, you'll see all our social media channels. That's a super easy way exactly. to just get plugged in. I mean, you know, the information's fed to you, the opportunities come across your uh, feed, and uh, you can take whatever interests you. Um, again, uh, looking at the code online, I think yeah. just perusing through that and seeing what you should be doing. Well, and that's pretty rare too. You know, I know I own the, the CBC and that was an expensive code book and it's not really available online. You've got to actually purchase it. No, know? it is. It's more recent that, oh, is that it? we okay. made these available online for free viewing only. So if you want to search, you want to print yes. or anything like that, cut and paste, uh, then you have to graduate up to uh, either the hard copy, PDF or premium access. And the premium, premium access service has just got all the bells and whistles. So I was talking about the code changes. 
you can see that in a different colored font. You can click on it and see the code change. Oh, wow. So it's a real interactive. Very interactive. And sometimes just knowing who the proponent of the code change was tells a lot of the story. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we're, we're wrapping up here. Is there anything more? Let me give you guys both the platform. Is there anything more that you want to say before we wrap up here? No, there's a lot of good information. Like, again, like Susan said, on our website, uh, we have our PMG Membership Council. where We have some free downloadable code notes that we actually put together. Uh, they're full color documents with graphics and pictures. And we even have some on the swim pool code. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of good information on that website. And there's a lot of ways you can get involved. All right. Well, I can't tell you how much enjoyment this has been uh, and a great conversation. We actually haven't really delved into codes and government relations too much on the podcast this year. And, um, you know, it's, it's a passion of mine. I, I, I'm weird. I actually read the code. Um, so, uh, but, you know, I just encourage everybody to, to really wrap your head around the codes and, and ICC is, is definitely a great one. And, uh, and just thank you so much for not only for what you do, but being on the podcast and, and everything. I, I, I love getting the word out for you guys. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Sure. Ask the Masters is dedicated to educating, mentoring, and designing a better workplace for the swimming pool industry and their families. Please take a moment to share, like, and review our content with all of those that would be interested.